this is Craig Brown, and welcome to Passages. Passages is a space to explore Bible passages used for preaching, reflection, and prayer. My hope is that Passages will shine a unique light on text used for preaching at the First Free Methodist Church of Seattle, or for anyone who's looking to dive deeper into the Bible. Today's passage is Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. It's the basis for the sermon here at First Free Methodist Church on March 19, 2023. It's the fourth message in our Lenten series called Lost and Found, about how we find hope at the times in which we feel most lost. This is a very short parable of Jesus, one of his contextual teachings with a spiritual application, and it is typically called the parable of the leaven or yeast. In this particular short story that Jesus tells us, there is a woman who hides leaven or yeast in flour. Now, it's interesting here that uh, we take note of how the woman did this in the parable. It says that she did it secretly, that nobody knew what she was doing. She hid it in the flour. There's a sense of covert work going on here, and Jesus suggests that this is uh, this happens you know, quite a few times in his teaching as uh, he proclaims this particular type of message. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, Jesus tells us, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 18, he says, your father who sees in secret. In Matthew ten sixteen, he says, be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. We have to acknowledge here, even in this parable with this woman who hides the leaven in the flour, that there's a counterintuitive way that the kingdom of God comes. You don't actually see the kingdom of God coming until it has already happened. The smallest and quiet nature of the coming of the kingdom are actually a witness of God's power. So we could ask this rhetorical question, what's more important, a dictator forcing people to obey or a slow strategy of people wanting to obey. It opens a key passageway for us. The the path toward salvation and redemption is a quiet and also alert work. You know, we often look for huge movements and seismic shifts, these great lurches and great successes, but God, God is usually at work in secret, quiet, And our addiction to results and success sometimes blinds us to the work that God might be doing already right under our noses. Jesus goes on in the parable to explain what this woman did. He said that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three sata of flour until it was all leavened. So the parable makes common sense here, right up to the point where it starts to address the amount of flour there is. There's always in these parables, especially in Matthew 13, these exaggerated ways in which things happen. And in this case, the woman hides the yeast in three sata of flour, it says. That's actually in today's measurements about 50 pounds of flour. Enough bread would be yielded from this for about 150 people. This is such a surprising event. Rarely would anyone make that much bread at one time. Now, the logistics of how that might happen or how impossible it is to make bread for 150 people at one time uh, are not important here. But the principle is 
At least as far as we can tell, this is about a cup of yeast added to about 50 pounds of flour. And it's important to notice the contrast. It doesn't take much leaven or yeast to have such a large result. And the principle of the kingdom here is that God's initial movement is very small, like just this small amount of leaven relative to this total amount of flour. But it has large results. And that opens a very important key passageway here for us, that small actions by God have large effects or results. Now, in contrast to what I just said, that sometimes the kingdom of God comes quietly and we like to look for a a huge impact, understand that the kingdom of God moves more like a crescendo. It starts very small and then gets bigger and bigger and bigger over time. The, The kingdom of God, the way Jesus is explaining it, is not a short game. It's a long game. So oftentimes folks have a have a hard time finding their way in service and ministry to other people. Individuals and even small groups of people have a hard time understanding how their lives could have any kind of impact of significance. But see, their assumption focuses on their own skills, their own competencies, their own outcomes. And what this short parable teaches us is it teaches us to recognize that even the smallest of actions, if they're guided by the Spirit, will have a big yield in time. And it may even have a yield beyond our own lifetime. So there's a recognition here that small actions by God and small actions by God through us can have large effects. And we have to trust that we may never see those effects, but recognize that it's our responsibility to live faithfully, even in the small actions, so that God can do something great. Now, this particular parable ends with uh, an application of parables, if you will. It says in verse 34 that all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he didn't speak anything to them without a parable. Remember, a parable is a contextual, uh, like a contextual saying that has a spiritual application. It's a contextual story with a spiritual application. So people ask the same question the disciples did. Why does Jesus speak in parables? And why is this important for us to understand? Well, there's a few things I'd say about parables that are important for us as we reflect on them, especially in this short passage of Scripture. First of all, they require the engagement of the listener. Because every parable is contextual, it invites the person hearing it, and for us hearing it even today, it requires engagement. This is not a spoon-fed truth. Rather, this is a truth that we need to wonder about and think about. And second, I would say that they're not unusual in Jesus's time. Uh, Parables were a common way of teaching in the day of Jesus. It's just simply not a common way for us to teach today. doesn't mean that it was unusual. It's unusual to us, but it wasn't unusual in Jesus's own day. And oftentimes the parables that Jesus tells, because they were not unusual in his day, have their target in mind, the target audience in mind, if you will. And oftentimes that target audience is the the marginalized. You see, um, for example, the parable of the leaven, people that Jesus was speaking to would be about the work of making bread every single day. 
uh, as we've mentioned before, that it was impossible to eat a meal without bread. It was the edible utensil. And so bread was a foundational ingredient in every home. But for those who achieved greater wealth, status, and influence in Jesus' day, they became more distant from the operation of making bread. They had servants who made bread for them. So when Jesus tells these kinds of parables, his target has to do with people who actually make the bread and who know what it's like to make the bread, who know what three sata of flour are. They're deeply contextual. So Jesus is speaking to bread-making people when he tells this very short parable, not the people who just consume the bread made by other people. The third thing I'd say about parables is that they were a unique way of speaking a hard truth to those in power. Now, later on in Jesus's ministry, especially when we get into the 21st and 22nd chapters of Matthew, Jesus begins speaking in parables directed at the religious and power establishments of his day. And oftentimes Jesus will frame his criticism of them in the form of a parable or a parabolic teaching. So we want to recognize that sometimes these stories give Jesus a way to bring a sense of criticism and a prophetic word to those who need to hear it. And the fourth thing, which is actually in some ways revisiting the first, the first was that they require the listener to engage. The fourth is this, is they invite wonder and deeper questions. So when we hear a parable, it's not so much that there's one meaning and that's the meaning. It's really that they invite us to wonder about what that parable might mean, how it might apply. And for us today in the 21st century to pause for a moment and say, well, what did this parable mean to the people who heard it for the first time? And how can we hear it in the same way they did? And sometimes that means understanding the culture and context of that moment so we can gain meaning out of it. But it also requires us to then take that meaning that we've discerned out of that culture and context and understand it in our own culture and context. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman hid in three sata of flour. That's not something that happens to most of us every day. So we have to understand what that parable meant then And then we can find application for it today. And so this process of applying the parable invites us into this deeper sense of wonder and reflection. It opens a final key passageway for us, I believe, in that God speaks and moves in the way of the parable today. You know, sometimes our own culture and context shrink our vision. Uh, We somehow think that the ways in which we understand God moving and speaking and acting are normative for ourselves and not as normal for everyone else. In reality, God is speaking in all contexts and in all cultures. God is a a broadcaster in some ways, but also a, a, a person who delivers the message or the word in a deeply contextual way and in a deeply cultural way so that we might hear it as well. God is speaking just as much in our hearts and lives here today as God is speaking then, even in this teaching of Jesus. The lesson of the parable is for us to recognize that God's incarnation in Jesus does not stop, that God is always seeking embodiment in us. So as we grow, as we evolve, as we transform, the way in which God speaks and moves shifts 
and changes and adapts and is contextual to who we are. It doesn't do God any good to bring a message that is irrelevant to us. God always speaks with relevance. At issue is whether we're aware of God speaking, whether we're listening to God speaking. It's not for the lack of God speaking. It's whether or not we're able to to listen and to pause and to hold and to wonder about how God might be moving in a particular moment. The message that God has is always the same, but the medium is always shifting. If you have comments or reflections, I'd love to hear from you this week. Please visit my website, revcraig.com. You can click on news in the upper right-hand corner and the drop-down menu will appear. You'll see the word podcast. Click on that and then click on the particular episode and leave a comment. You can also visit our church's website at ffmc.org, firstfreemethodistchurch.org, to learn more about free Methodism and how you can connect with our community. For now, I bid you all grace. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.